following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Your word that we would that we would fully embrace the opportunity and privilege that is ours to be unified in such a, a oneness that um, that just demonstrates your power and presence in our life. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to and through me in a way that just helps to, uh, to bring greater understanding to this wonderful concept that we are the body. We are your body, Lord Jesus. You are the head. We are the hands and feet. Help us to embrace the, the privilege and the opportunities we have to, to live this out in ways that, uh, that just point to you and, uh, and accomplish your purpose. Uh, we thank you, Father. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so one of the things that I always marvel at is, um, you know, Jesus climbed a mountain, prayed all night, and he was, the, the, the Father gave him 12 to be his disciples and then apostles. And um, what I marvel at is when you look at the, the dynamics of those 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 men it's like you got a you got a zealot right this is uh like jewish militia um that is that is that is that just really hates roman occupation and does vicious things to to express themselves and then you got a tax collector that's in the same group right like they couldn't be at, at more odds within the jewish culture and, uh, and yet, by God's design and desire, these two individuals are placed within an intimate community for, uh, for, the, for the, the, the beginning of God's work in order to bring about the church. And that, that's remarkable because for them to be on the same page, it required a lot. It required Jesus, right? And, uh, and that's also true for us today, that there's... You know, for all of us, we, we, we often have different views and perspectives and ideals and priorities. But yet when we mutually subscribe to the Lord and his headship and his will and his desire and his purpose and plan, we find this, 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 this synergy that, trans, that transcends our own desires and ability. It, it, it supersedes what we want because together we subscribe to what he wants. And there's a powerful expression that happens as a byproduct of that. Um, I would go on mission trips with students, have done this with adults. I mentioned this in class this morning, that right before we even get in the van, before we head out of the parking lot, one of the things that I would try to unpack is like, so if you go on this trip, and you're looking out for you, which is really usually our, our normal disposition. Um, you've got one person looking out for you. But if we could put ourselves aside for the duration of this experience and hopefully beyond, and, uh, and we could put ourselves last even and put everybody else's needs and we could lose sight of our own needs and start to really open our, our hearts and minds to the needs of everybody else, then all of a sudden, depending on the size of the group, instead of having one person looking out for yourself, now you've got 20, 30, 40 people looking out for you. And doesn't that work so much better? And so this is kind of the, the idea, the body of Christ. It's, it's not a concept or even an idea or philosophy. This is a reality this is what God has made possible by his spirit for us to live in such rich, intimate community, kind of putting ourselves aside so that we can subscribe fully to the, to the corporate experience of Christ, the head of our, of our body, having his expression through us together. Does that make sense? And this, this is what he wants to, and this is how the world will know. And so the image of the body of Christ is a familiar metaphor for the church. All of those that are truly saved, that have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. And the church is called, and it's interesting, one body in Christ. It is a, it is a, 
I mean, it's a supernatural work that the Holy Spirit does in us to forsake our own selfish pursuits so that we can mutually join the missional pursuit that Christ has to save the world. And, uh, and man, when we get on board together for that and we utilize the gifts, talents, and resources that God has entrusted to us individually together, all of a sudden it explodes with potential and power and influence. And uh, what's at odds with that? Self, right? That's what's at odds with that. Like me wanting me, like, so I'll even get real practical and this might uh, step on toes and, and it does mine. Like, um, you know, when we come on Sunday mornings, like, are we coming to get or to give? Ideally, it's to give, right? Are, are we coming to be fed or to feed? Are we coming to be loved or to love? You know, like, let me promise you, if you come, it, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus said these things. Like, if we come with a heart, did Jesus come to give or to get? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Man, there is, like, th there is a shift that, ha that, that, that takes place in our hearts that's, that's motivated by the Holy Spirit, that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we would put ourselves last, that we would put, you know, like we're told in, in, uh, in Philippians 2, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, verse 3. And verse 4 says, but in humility. Is that critical for this to work? But in humility, consider others more important than yourselves looking not only to your own interest, but of the interest of others. We're never going to have sincere empathy. We're never going to rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those that suffer and grieve with those who grieve if, if we're not sharing in the body of Christ together. And, and you know, isn't it, isn't it incredibly encouraging to you as it is to me that we can count on the Holy Spirit to bring this to fruition? Because... So often we, we do get enamored or consumed with, with ourselves. But as we come to uh, Sunday morning and then we go out together, the idea is, is that we would put ourselves aside, trusting God for his provision. And then what happens is, and this is the beauty of it, what happens is everything that God wants for us comes to us through the body of Christ. Every answered prayer is meant to be something that, that God uses us to, to see to fruition. You know, that God wants to, to show his grace in its various forms and love in its various forms through each one of us as we, as we, as we do what the Spirit, what the head, what Christ leads us to do. Listen to what Romans 12, 4 and 5 says. For as in the one body, talking about the human body, and just for a moment, just some basic research, very basic research that I did on the human body. Do you know that there's, there's 78, maybe 79 organs or members in the body? That there's 11 systems, maybe 12, um, you know, circulatory system, digestive system, you know, like that nervous system, right? But that there's, there's you know how many cells are in the body? Like 28 trillion cells, 28 trillion cells are in a female body, 32 trillions. So there's about 30 trillion cells in each one of us. And though it is many, this, this is uh, an understatement, right? So, so Paul says here in Romans 12, for as in one human body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Isn't that true? Right? Like the heart has a purpose. The lungs have a purpose. The spleen, the kidneys, they all have a purpose. But, but their purpose serves the, the whole. Right? Serves the common good. Right? They, they give themselves fully to, to, to the benefit of the body as a whole. Um, this is the illustration here. Verse 5 goes on to say this. So we, speaking of the body of Christ, though many 
are one body in Christ and individually, this is interesting, members one of another. Like not only are we a member of his body, but we have this intimate membership with each other. There's an intimate bond and connection that's necessary for our fruition, for our benefit, for our fruitfulness. And so it, it, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to not live within the context of the body because that's where our, our health and vibrancy and, and, and provision even like, do you know, like we talked about this last week and I love how the Lord orchestrated these first three sermons for the, for 2024, because it's, the, the state of the church address was supposed to be week one. And then we were moving on to the body and, and then the Lord just led that we would do it this week. And don't you love, like, I didn't realize this till last night is that like what really solidifies continues to encourage and, and supernaturally accomplish like this oneness of the body is our participation in, in the Lord's Supper. I mean, we're told that in 1 Corinthians 10, that there's, there's a supernatural work that's done by the Holy Spirit as we come together and come to the table and, and realize what Christ has done for us in the sacrificial work. And, and we'll talk more about that. But the, verse 5 says, and individually members one of another. There's a oneness that we are meant to share with one another. And the, the, the challenge of that in an American individualistic mentality culture is, is dynamic. Like we've got to stay in the word because we're constantly bombarded with, you know, me. So as we look at the, the Lord's Supper here and as we prepare our hearts even right now for our time together at the, uh, later on in the service, listen to what 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And it goes on to say, because there is one bread and we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Unity in the midst of diversity. And it's not that, like as we'll look at the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, like we, we're to celebrate the unique diversity that we share, but we are to seek unity through humility in it. Does that make sense? And one of the things that this passage that I just read helps us to understand is there's a miraculous work that the Holy Spirit does when we come together to share communion and find our oneness and our unity in, in the sacrificial work of Christ that really is what purchased us to this oneness, called us, demonstrated what the, the, the unity of the body is all about. We even say the body of Christ given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So the last verse and the theme verse for today, listen to what 1 Corinthians 12, 7, uh, 27 says. You, and I love that it says this, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The challenge for us you know, I love it. Jill wasn't even in Bible study this morning as she walked through the, through the, the, the we had a brief conversation and, and, and her statement just echoes what, what this is really saying is that we are to, to now put more value on his body, right? The church, the body, than our own. Now, this will be unpacked for us as we continue through this process, but the scriptures really declare this, that, that we are to put a greater value on the body of Christ and its building up and its love than even on our own tent or bodies, right? We see that in Romans 12, and you'll hear this again, 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God for this is your spiritual act of worship and over and over again in every letter that Paul writes Paul in some way shape or form says that I'm willing to suffer for your sanctification I'm willing to suffer for your benefit for your growth for your development 
um, for you to be to, to, to be in Christ. And so we, we see this in, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, another passage that helps us to understand that, you know, that what our role is like as the body of Christ, what what the goal is like it says here, you know, and speaking of the gifts in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, it says, and he, the Lord Jesus Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the shepherds and teachers. These are the gifts of the spirit, the, 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 the distinct roles that we are given by God to to uh, to orchestrate and to communicate and to organize the body of Christ. But listen to what it says to to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up, for building up the body of Christ, right? So like he's given those gifts to us to equip us for what? To build each other up, right? So you're gifted to give, right? You're, you're gifted to be a gift, uh, say it this way, you're blessed to be a blessing, right? And so why, we, why we're giving these gifts, why, we're, why is the body equipped with all of these ver- ver- variety of gifts? So that we would build one another up. Or are we using our gifts to build others up, right? Because what can happen with, with gifts is we can, we can misunderstand and try to use them for our own achievement or accolades and they and they just lose their power and potential but when we understand that our gifts are given to us for the benefit of others man that's when life just explodes with meaning and purpose and joy and peace and excitement there is it is more blessed to give than it is to receive and as we look at Ephesians 4 one through six here, it's interesting to me that in this passage and in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, both times the, the oneness of the body, specifically talking about the oneness of the body, in both cases comes up seven times. Seven times, I counted, seven times, right? And this, this is a world, this is a number for complete, right? So like, I love that. But so listen, listen to what Ephesians 4, one through six says. I therefore, Paul speaking of his circumstances, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So he unpacks that. Here's how we walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus, right? He says, with all humility. Here's, here's, the, here's the culture of the body of Christ. With all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love. Does this have any benefit in the body? Like that? And, and the good news is the spirit is going to empower these into fruition, right? With all humility, gentleness, and with patience, bearing with one another in love. Listen to what it says. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I love that she'll creep pointed this out for us at men's breakfast a couple weeks back. And, and I love that the word here is maintain. We don't create it. We're not the author of it. That is the Holy Spirit. That is God's. But we, we maintain the bond of peace, right? We maintain that. Um, and that's the unity of the spirit. And we do that through humility and love and generosity and patience and bearing with one another. Uh, eager, I love that it says that, eager to maintain. Unity is, is the responsibility of who? Me in this body? All of us. Every single one of us have to, the opportunity to, to explode with grace and love and kindness and patience and gentleness for the purpose of building one another up We've got to break. We got to break that 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 cultural mentality of that 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 it's about me, and it's for me, right? Like we got to, you know, the, the the church is not supposed to be something that we're consumeristic with, right? We're we're not called to be consumers, but distributors of God's mercy, love, and grace in its various forms. And then I love this next piece, because like we're called to have genuine empathy. 
Do you, have you ever struggled? Like, you ever been in a situation where, like, I should have incredible empathy for, their, for this moment, for this person's circumstances, but yet you're wrestling for that, that, that emotionally? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, the Spirit will help us in that. He will. Like, he, to, to be a genuinely empathetic like to, as we, as we read, like to, to share in each other's sufferings and rejoice with one another. But listen to what Hebrews 13.3 says. Remember those who are in prison. And listen to what it says. As though in prison with them. That is genuine empathy. Like that's being, that's wearing somebody else's moccasins, right? Like, like. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated. Now, in both cases, these are folks that are being mistreated and in prison for what? Why? For their faith. This is, they're being persecuted, right? Since you also are in the body. Since you also are in the body. And so we're, we're called to feel what the other feels. Um, when, when Paul is describing marriage, he says, why would you harm your spouse? That's your own body. It's the same thing here. Like, we, if someone else hurts, we hurt. Because that's, that's the cohesive expression of the body of Christ because we feel like we're in this together. We're, we are the body of Christ. We are the tangible expression, the hands and feet of Jesus. The church is convincingly connected as the body of Christ. I mean, this, the, the, all of these passage help, help, all these passages help us to understand that we are connected and unified and there's, I mean, the oneness, and boy, there, you know, that word continues to pop up. Anytime the body of Christ is talked about, it's one, one, one. And, uh, and, and all of us, you know, have a responsibility to, 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 to subscribe to the, to the oneness that we share, to lay aside so that we can join in. Ephesians 5.23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. We are the body of Christ. And one of the things that we see always coming up in these texts related to the body is, is that Jesus is the head. And so what we understand is, is that we are all under the headship of Christ. The good news is, is that we're, we're all getting directions that are unique to, to our giftedness or to our member, like our, our part. But we can count on the fact that it's unified, that it's coming from the same source. And so that puts us on the same page. And so the challenge for each of us is to be so sensitive to God's spirit and so intuitive to the to the, to the mind of Christ that, that's given to us by the Spirit and, and be led of the Spirit because will, we will always walk in harmony. As it's it's kind of like, you know what I love is a good illustration? It's kind of like he's the conductor and we're the orchestra. Like every instrument has a different part and a different sound, but we're all playing off the same music, right? Doesn't that make sense? And it's not our music. The challenge is, like, our, our sinful nature wants to play our own song. Like, we want to we play our own song. But how does that play out when everybody else is playing his song? And, and what he's challenging us to do, like, like, let's all play his music and his song. And when we do that together, it's beautiful. And we're all following the conductor. We're all following the head. And, uh, and that's... That's ideal. Listen with, uh, with me um, what it says in Colossians 1.24. It says this. Paul says this to the church in Colossae. And this is fantastic. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Why, why is he rejoicing in his sufferings? For your sake. For the church. For the church's sake. He says he rejoices in his sufferings. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking 
in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. So we, su- we suffer so that others are saved or sanctified. Like Jesus started this mission with a sacrificial example of what we do with these bodies. The good news is, here's the good news, and this is really what the good news is, is that he was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. We talked about just recently what uh, Hebrews 10, 14 says. By one single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And so we, we share in the death of Jesus so that we might share in the life of Jesus is what Romans 6 says. So we no longer have to be sacrifices to the point of death because Jesus tasted that for all of us. And that's what we celebrate today, motivated to demonstrate the Father's love. But we continue to suffer in these bodies for the benefit of the church's formation, whether it be growth or salvation. Does that make sense? And that's, that's the part. We're saved to serve. But we're, we're also, like, I'm going to say it this way, we're saved to suffer for others' sanctification and salvation. Right? Because Jesus left us an example in that. Look, you, you suffer for things all the time, but you don't consider it suffering when it's something that you love. Parents suffer for their children. We suffer... Uh, athletes suffer for their cause or their sport. Like we do things all the time, but we don't even, con- we don't put it in even in that category. We, we consider it to be joy because of the benefit, because of the outcome. Jesus, we're told in Hebrews 12 that for the joy set before him, he endured the cl- cross, scorning its shame and is seated at the right hand of the father. And so, Paul is saying here, if, if we're not understanding what he's saying, and it's not unique to this moment in Colossians 1.24, is that he is filling up in his body, right? Continuing to fill up in his body what the sacrifice of, and it's not that Christ's sacrifice lacked anything. He is just continuing to suffer as Jesus did for the, for the fruition, for the formation of the church. Does that make sense, guys? And, and we are called in, his exa- in Christ's example and in Paul's continued example that we're called to, to, liter- to suffer for one another for each other's benefit. And what that looks like practically, we talked about last week, right? We talked about like, and many uh, sold property and, and gave so that others would have, right? We, we were willing to, to take a loss, perceived loss, for, for the gain of others. You know, he who was rich became poor so that we might become rich. Didn't Jesus exemplify this to, to perfection? But, but now, when we start talking about this, it's like, wait a second. Like, you know, as the body of Christ, I'm, I'm called to, 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 to give to that level so that others, other members thrive. But isn't that what the members of the body do, physically do? And, uh, and that's what's being said. So when Emmanuel, when, when God with us, with us entered our planet, he took on a physical body, which Hebrews 10 here says that the father that God prepared for him to be the sacrifice that was offered for the sin of humanity. And again, he's being an example to us. Hebrews 10.5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me to do what with? To sacrifice for the, for the, for the, for the salvation of others. And, and he, again, here's the good news. We're not called to be, we don't have to die. I mean, that, that might be, but that's not our calling. Per, in, in a general sense, we're called to be living sacrifices now, holy and pleasing to God, for this is our spiritual act of worship. Because we're no longer dead, but alive. And now in our life, we, we, we willingly sacrifice right, as an offering. Like, let's not forget that the purpose of our sacrifice is not to just, sacrifice the purpose of our sacrifice is to worship right we do this in worship to him but that worship is what benefits others so you know the importance of our giving 
especially within the body of Christ, the importance of our giving is so that others experience the provision, the grace, the mercy, the love of God. Right? We, we get to give the answers to many people's prayers. So what do we do with our earthly bodies? As I said, Romans 12, 1, you know, I love like Jim Elliott, he gave his life, he gave his body to a, to a tribe in, in the Amazon jungle, right? Like that wasn't, that wasn't what he was aiming to do, but he was willing to do. And he said, this word, he said these words, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, his earthly tent, to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that awesome? Like that's such, that's such solid gospel truth. That's, that's truth, right? Like Jesus said this way, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you will find it, right? That, that this is, that, man, it's, it, it sounds like a call to die and to lose, but it's the call to life and to win and to rescue and to be a part of the mission and to subscribe together to be the body of Christ. Just so we have a glorious example of Jesus being the forerunner and the firstborn among many brethren, like he set the example here. Paul uses him as the example of humility for the purpose of unity. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. That's the second time we're told that in the New Testament. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped or held onto. He let it go. He, he limited himself. He, he diminished himself. God incarnated in flesh, like amazing, right? But emptied himself, now that's big, right? That's the challenge to us. By taking the form of a servant, he says, if you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be the great of the greats, be a slave to those around you. Being born in the likeness of men, God, Emmanuel, became, and being found in human form. All of this screams humility, right, which is such a necessary component for unity within the body. It's us putting us last so that others can be first. That's, that, that's kingdom, that's kingdom mindset, right? But it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. This, this was not forced upon him. He did this in obedience to the Father, but he did this himself. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down and I will take it up again, right? Like he humbled himself and that's a challenge to us. We're called to humble ourselves under the mighty and, and in due time he will exalt us, right? Which we see. So he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the, uh, obedient to who? The Father to the point of death, even death on the cross, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like that's the disposition of Paul so that he could give his earthly body as Jesus did for the benefit of others in a sacrificial love. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. In John 2, 19 through 21, we get this crystal clear understanding that Jesus lays out for uh, the church. And keep in mind, uh, just in case you don't know, like Jesus cleansed the temple in the beginning of his ministry and at the end. This is the beginning. And what he's doing is, and this is so beautiful, please don't miss this, is he's cleansing the temple. He says, he says he's zealous for the house of God. Okay, now don't miss this. <laughs> like, because it's not meant to be a den of thieves, but which that's what our, 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 our temple, our bodies are before he cleanses them. He says it, it's meant to be a house of prayer and that's what he's making our bodies. Now, this is really profound. It's really rich. The reason Jesus was so zealous to clean the, cleanse the temple is because he was, that was his mission to come and cleanse the temple, the body of Christ right? 
And, and that's what he was talking about here, even though the Jewish leaders are going, wait, 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 it took us 46 years to build this. What are you talking about? You're going to build, rebuild it in three days? Listen to what he says. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, speaking of his earthly tent, his body, and in three days I will raise it up. And he's talking about the body, the one that he would be the foundation and the cornerstone of. The Jewish leaders of the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was not talking about the temple, but he was talking about the temple of his body. And guys, we are the body. Do you know what Jesus did in three days? He built the body. You. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. That's what it means, right? He built the, the temple, right? And he's building us stone by stone, precious stones, right? But, but he's the foundation and he's the cornerstone and he's the capstone. He's the alpha and he's the omega. Hallelujah, right? Like he's, he's the one that starts it and finishes it, right? But, but the good news is that we're a part of it. And that he did all of that with his body, by the way, sacrificing it in obedience to the Father for his glory and fame, but for our benefit. And do you see how Paul follows his example to perfection? And he doesn't count his life uh, of any value. Listen, listen to what this says. This just popped in my head, so I have to be faithful to, this, to the Spirit. Listen to what this says. This is Paul's declaration. You, you'll see this in Acts 20, 24. He says this, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Isn't that relevant? Isn't that powerful? Like, so we... You know, it, it's a call to, to not live for our body's beauty or benefit, but for the beauty and benefit of the body of Christ. And that's the shift that has to happen in our disposition, in our pursuits, in our ambitions. And when we do that together, because I've been in churches, like this is a glorious church. This is a beautiful church. I'm so blessed to be a part of this church family. Right, it's just, it's an honor. But I believe, as Jesus said in, in Revelation 2 and 3, that we could do better. Like, we could do so much better. But, but it takes us mutually subscribing to the biblical, like, I, like idea of being the body of Christ together. Because we're only as strong as the weakest. Like, all of that matters. Like, think about it. Like, you know, poor Mr. Mr. Potato Head. You know, like, without an arm the world would say he's handicapped or hindered, right? But, but, the, but the illustration stands for the body of Christ that if, if one of our members isn't here, we, we feel that and we lack. And so every member matters. Every member matters. And your gifts matter no matter what they are, whether they're, it, no one's more important than anybody else in the body. Jesus is the most important and, and we are just members, and that's a joy and a privilege. Oh, th through his physical body, Jesus demonstrated the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly, especially through his sacrificial death on the cross. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so what we understand is it's, it's through us dying to self that we actually grow in living the, the Christian life and giving we we give in to the opportunity to be a part of this rich humble community that has the ambition of the headship of Christ to continue to save the world hey there's no greater purpose on the planet than that I don't care what you went to school for right that is the the most glorious purpose we've been given and after his bodily ascension the Lord Jesus Christ continued his work in the world through those he has redeemed, the body of Christ. He's doing it through us, and it's not me. 
It's not you. It's not I. It's us. It's we. We, got it. we, we get to do it together. So the church now gets to demonstrate the love of God clearly and tangibly in this way, the church functions as the body of Christ. And so, like Jesus' body is still present on earth. And what's so powerful about that is, is he gave his body, and because of God's promises and God's pattern and plan, now his body is multiplied. He sowed it, right? One of the ways to understand this, and Paul uses this as an illustration, he took the seed of his body and he put it in the ground so that it could die to its its earthly potential and, and, and accomplish its eternal potential. Does that make sense? And so we see all of these illustrations to help us understand these things. So I close with 10 clear points in Scripture. Okay, and if you are writing anything down, you need to be writing this down. And if, you're, if I'm going too fast, the notes are online. You can download them. You can, you can have them right now in front of you if you want them. So the church is often called the body of Christ for these reasons. Number one, every member of the body of Christ has been joined and held together, held to Jesus through salvation. Okay, so like, like he, he is doing the cohesive work of holding the body together. Let's join him in maintaining the, the, the work that's already accomplished. Ephesians 4, 5, 15 and 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint uh, with which it is equipped. When each, now don't miss this, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Don't you love that? Like I just love, like as each member works like properly, we build each other up in love itself. Like that's us, each of us up in love. So let us, let us subscribe and, and give ourselves fully to this this is what we were made for. Like I always think of Ephesians, which I've already stated, but Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, poem. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved to serve. We're saved to love God and others. Uh, number two, ideally members of the body of Christ follow Jesus as their head. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 says, and he, our father, put all things under his, the Lord Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things in the church, which is his body, and the fullness, get this, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the fullness of him that fills all in all. Like, and we do that together, but he's the head. We get our instructions from the same source, right? And our power, Number three, together as members of the body of Christ, we are the physical presence of Christ on earth. Today, now, the church, you are the light of the world, right? The church is the organism, not the organization. It's alive, right? It is the organism through which Christ reveals his life to the world today. He is revealing himself. Matthew 5 14 through 16, I just referenced it. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, nor, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine or shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Number four, each member of the body of Christ are, are indwelt by the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8, 9. You, however, speaking to the body of Christ, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So we belong to his body and to his headship. We belong to him. It's marital terms. It's intimate, right? Number five, every member of the body of Christ possesses diversity of gifts or gift suited to particular functions. Now listen with me as I read our chief text for this morning and listen to, look, look for Mr. Potato Head here, okay? Um, so this is what it says. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. This is what the Holy Spirit did. He baptized us into one body. Jew or Greek, slave or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So it's not conformity, but unity in diversity, right? That's, that's a big difference. Like right in the beginning with, uh, with you know, the two that were first to be one, they were considered counter, Adam and Eve, co- called counterparts. They are, very, is, are men and women different? Hey, right? Like, but that's the beauty of marriage is the difference, but we have to celebrate it and not fight it right? It's, and have unity in it to, to understand its blessing and its benefits. If the foot should say, because, and this is the point, if the foot should say, because I am not uh, a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, I love this, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, right? I think of like Jeremiah 1.5, before I knitted you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. Right, and I purpose you to be a prophet to the nations. Like, like God, does God know what He's doing? Like when we all subscribe to His sovereign providence and allow Him to dictate every step, every thought and action in our life, then we we actually come together for the purpose of Christ as His body. It's so beautiful. I love that God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, and on those parts of the body that, that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may, may suffer. Now listen, it goes on to say, if one member, but that the members may have the same care for one another, the same mutual care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that clarifying? Number six says, all members of the body of Christ share a common bond with all other believers, regardless of background, race, or ministry. We saw, we saw this in the text, but to highlight it, verse 25 said that there may, may be no division in the body, but, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Number seven, every member of the body of Christ are secure in their salvation. In John chapter 10, 28 to 30, it says this, I give them eternal life and they will, because the body of Christ is purposed by the Holy Spirit, its function is authored, is, is created by the Holy Spirit. I give them eternal life and they, and they will never perish and no one can stat, snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands, out of the father's hands. And, and I and the father are one. For a Christian to lose his salvation, God would have to perform amputation on the body of Christ, right? Just to understand the, the sufficiency of Christ and then the permanency of Christ. Number eight, all members of the body of Christ partake uh, of Christ's death and resurrection. Love this. Colossians 2, 12 through 14. Having been, past tense, having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, God made alive together with him, the Lord Jesus Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many? All our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, death, this he canceled, this he nailed, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Like Richard's shirt. Jesus nailed it. I like it. So number nine, every member of the body of Christ shares Christ's inheritance. Like this, this just gets better and better. Chapter eight of Romans, verses 16 and 17. The spirit of him, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Number 10, every member of the body of Christ receives the gift of Christ's righteousness. Isn't that good news? So that the body is righteous in its expression and in its posture, right? So for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, speaking of Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. If the worship team will come, man, that really sets the tone for the rest of our service as we, as we end with communion this morning and as we prepare our hearts. We are one body because of the work of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are, we are brought together to participate in the bread, the body, and the cup, his blood. And in, in participating in that, we actually participate in the body, in the oneness that the Spirit is, is calling us to and urging us to. And so, you know, as we sing these songs in preparation for a time of celebration and communion and remembrance, would you, would you ask the Holy Spirit to investigate your heart, to shine a light? If there's anything that isn't right, just simply confess, surrender, repent. If there's, if there's a relationship that you're at odds with, Man, purpose to, to make that right. This is what, this is what unifies us, is when, the, when we're not at odds with one another, but that we're in, the, the oneness is something that we all have a responsibility to maintain in humility, in unity, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Surrender, repent. If there's, if there's a relationship that you're at odds with, Man, purpose to, to make that right. This is, what, this is what unifies us, is when, the, when we're not at odds with one another, but that we're in, the, the oneness is something that we all have a responsibility to maintain in humility, in unity, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.